Krishna-prasthaya bhutale Srimadhi-bhakti-vedanta-swami Iti-namine Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Viti Mahine Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Sunyavadi Asvajyade Satharine Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Adeta Kadadhar Shri Vasati Gaurabhakta Krinda Oh. 
Hadi Krishna, Hadi Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hadi Hadi, Hadi Rama, Hadi Rama, Rama Rama, Hadi Hadi. Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare Hare. Hadi Krishna, Hadi Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hadi Rama, Hadi Rama, Rama Rama, Hadi Hadi. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare.
ಸ್ವಯಂಪಾಕಾಮಯಂ ತದಿ ಸ್ವಾಪದಂತಿಕಂದೇಹಂಶ್ರೀಕುರೋಶ್ರೀಕುರೋಷ್ಣವಂಶ್ರೀಗುರೋಪಾಸಾಗ್ರಜಾತ
natural, inimical beings live together peacefully. Because Vrindavan is a place where everyone accepts that Krishna is the center of their lives. And therefore there is no selfish desire for one's own sense gratification. And in such a state, there is no envy. Where there is no envy, there can actually be real love. That is the spiritual world. When Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was on his journey to Vrindavan, he induced the tigers and the deers to dance with one another, to embrace, to even kiss each other in pure spiritual love beyond this material conception. And although the deer and the tiger are by nature enemies, since the beginning of time. When they were chanting the names of Hadi Hadi for the purpose of pleasing Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the center of their lives, then all disturbances, all envy, even the misconceptions of their identities as tigers and deers was gone forever. We can understand from the story, it's not that they were like that. And then after Lord Chaitanya left, the tigers began to eat the deers. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu awakened Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago the dormant love that is within their hearts. And when that is awakened, it becomes an e the only reality for all of eternity. When Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw them embracing and dancing together, he remembered this verse from Srimad Bhagavatam. of how Vrindavan is such a beautiful place because there's no envy. There's only love. Because everyone is so pleased, so grateful, so deeply appreciative of everyone else's efforts to please Krishna. If we actually love Krishna, 
then we will be so grateful and so happy with anyone who is sincerely trying to serve Krishna. That means Krishna is in the center. If we are serving Krishna and we become envious or arrogant toward others who are sincerely trying to serve Krishna, that means predominantly we're still putting our own misconceived self in the center. So I'm not going to try to be a psychologist for deers and tigers. But we can understand from this principle that the tigers, because they tasted the sweetness of the holy names, Hadi Hadi, and they really desired to please Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when they saw the deer doing the same, they were loving brothers and sisters. And by and the deers toward the tigers. No fear. Vaikuntha means the place without anxiety. Because everyone accepts that Krishna is the object of our service. He is the supreme enjoyer, and he is the ultimate object of love. This verse comes from the chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam we are going to speak about today. If you remember yesterday, We spoke about Krishna liberating Agasura. An extraordinary story. As we were telling, Agasura was not just an ordinary Asura. Most of the Asuras that came to Vrindavan, their specific purpose was to kill Krishna. But Aga was so sinful, so hateful, so envious. Not only was he sent by Kamsa like the others, but he had very personal vested interests because Krishna killed his older brother and sister. Bakasura and Putana. His aim was to kill all the calves, all the cowherd boys, and Krishna. Knowing if he killed all of them, all the cows, all the mothers, all the fathers, every single Brijabasi would certainly die due to grief. He wanted to exterminate the entire community of Krishna. And he had 
such an incredible strategic plan to do so. After all, the gopas danced blissfully into his mouth and into his throat and into his stomach or whatever snakes have. Then Krishna went and he expanded himself so big, Agasura could not breathe. Agasura was eight miles long. So he had incredible yogic powers. And as fast as he could, he was expanding himself to get air. But Krishna was expanding faster. And ultimately, he was liberated. Not like most asuras who enter into the Brahmajyoti, Mukti, but he was given Sarupya Mukti, which means he was given a spiritual body in the spiritual world to be an eternal loving associate of Krishna. His eternal soul entered into Krishna's body. Krishna reciprocates in extraordinary ways. He allowed Krishna to come into his body, so Krishna allowed him to come into his body. And not only that, he became so purified because of Krishna's association and that of the cowherd boys. And because he actually gave the cowherd boys so much happiness, he, he actually killed them all. When Krishna entered into Akasura's body, all the calves and the gopas were dead. They were unconscious. But up until that moment, he gave them nothing but happiness. They thought he was the most wonderful, wonderful attraction. Such a beautiful playground to play in. So Krishna took that little spark of goodness and whatever suffering and pain Akasura underwent for a few seconds, he was cleansed of all of his undesirable attachments. And all that was left was the purity of Krishna's association. The story gives such hope to everyone. If somehow or other, as Ram Chandra said, if even once with a sincere and earnest heart, a person comes to me and says, from today, my Lord, I am yours. Ram said, I will give that person my protection.
I will give that person myself for the rest of eternity. This is my solemn vow that I speak before you. Even if Ravana were to come and surrender to me sincerely, I would give him all shelter and all happiness forever. Bahunam janmanamante gyanavam mampapatyate Basudeva sarvamiti samahatma suturdhapa After many, many births of acquiring knowledge, when one finally comes to the perfection, one understands that all I have to do is surrender to Krishna. And such a person attains the ultimate perfection. And what does it mean to surrender? It means to realize that I am Jivaraswarupoy Krishnada Nityadas. I'm eternally depending on Krishna as his servant and to serve with love. In Vrindavan, that love, that service is so deep and so sweet. If only we can get a glimpse by opening our hearts through bhakti of understanding the nature of Krishna's love for us, then we will naturally surrender everything to that love. Whoever we may be. Shukadev Goswami told Parikshit Maharaj that after the killing of, or not the, the liberation of Agasura, the cowherd boys, along with Krishna, returned to the village of Vrindavan. This event took place in Krishna's Kumar age. And in the village of Braj, they celebrated this incredible pastime one year later when Krishna and his friends were within the Poganda age. Now Parikshit Maharaj was listening very carefully. He was already sitting there without eating or drinking anything for over four days. And just see how every word was more precious than the entire kingdom of the world which he once possessed. And he inquired from Shukadeva Goswami, how, how is this possible that the cowherd boys are speaking of the killing of Akasura a year after it happened and they're speaking as if it happened that same day? Shukadeva Goswami was very excited to see 
Parikshit Maharaja's enthusiasm. He told him that you are the most fortunate because you are eager to hear about Krishna. And one who is eager to hear about Krishna, the transcendental message of Krishna's teachings, his qualities, his pastimes become newer and newer and newer. Krishna is Navayovadamja. He is forever youthful. His beauty is ever increasing. His love is ever increasing. And similarly, the transcendental message of Krishna, which is Krishna manifesting within this world through transcendental sound, is not different than Krishna. The Srimad Bhagavatam tells that after Krishna left this world, this Bhagavat Purana will be the light in the darkness of this age of Kali Yuga. Why? Because Krishna incarnates in Srimad Bhagavatam. The Srimad Bhagavatam is Krishna's incarnation in transcendental sound. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when he was living in Navadvipa as Nimai Pandit, he was once walking just a little distance from the river Ganga with some of his students, and he heard Devananda Pandit reciting Srimad Bhagavatam. Devananda Pandit was the foremost scholar of the Srimad Bhagavatam in all of Navadweep, which indicates he was the foremost scholar in all of India, because Navadweep was the high seat of learning. And Lord Chaitanya was very angry, transcendentally angry, when he heard him speaking. But Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's anger is not like ours. It's like a doctor giving bitter medicine. And we see the effects later. Devananda Pandit heard this and it had an effect in his heart. And later he became the servant of a Vaishnav, Vakreshwar Pandit. And then his entire understanding changed. And years later, when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, after taking sannyas, was on his first attempted journey to Vrindavan, he stopped in Navadweep, Koladweep. And there Devananda Pandit came to surrender his heart to him. And he asked, how should I teach the Srimad Bhagavatam? Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told that when you speak Bhagavatam, in your heart you should know, and in your words you should speak, that every syllable of every word of Srimad Bhagavatam is exclusively glorifying 
pure, unalloyed devotional service. The Srimad Bhagavatam is the manifestation of Sri Radha's love and Krishna's presence within this world. Srimad Bhagavatam Amalam Puranam, Mahaprabhu said, it is the spotless Purana. Dharma Prochita Kaitavatra. Because from the very beginning, Srimad Bhagavatam puts aside every other goal that the Vedas prescribe. Artha, Kama, Dhamma, Moksha. Even liberation, even mystic cities, even elevation to the Lord's eternal abode. The Srimad Bhagavatam teaches Ahoitiki apartihata bhakti, unmotivated, uninterrupted loving service. It culminates in the tenth canto in Vrindavan, where it manifests the love of the gopas and then progresses into the love of the gopis and ultimately culminates in the love of Sri Radha. and how even Krishna is conquered by that love. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu simply came to give that message. So being non-different than Krishna, if we are eager to hear, with a humble heart, then the sound of Krishna's names, the sound of Krishna's message, will be newer and newer and ever increasing. <clears throat> and according to Shukadeva Goswami, that is the meaning of good fortune. And as devotees, we must take this very seriously. Because our tendency is to be influenced and dragged into materialistic consciousness, where we think good fortune is being very beautiful, or being very learned, or being very wealthy, or very healthy, or very powerful, or very influential. There is some good fortune in those things if we use them for Krishna's service. But the real foundational basis of good fortune of a devotee is to the degree we are eager to hear about Krishna. Where we actually have a taste. Krishna is reciprocating with the sincerity of our heart as we chant his holy name. Shukadev Goswami continues, After Krishna, 
liberated Agasura. He brought his cowherd boyfriends to the bank of the Yamuna River. And Krishna said, let us sit here and have our lunch. See what a beautiful place this is. Krishna was glorifying Vrindavan. The soft, white, pure sand on the bank of the Yamuna River. And look at Yamuna Mai. Crystal clear nectarine sparkling waters with lotus flowers sprouting and blossoming here and there. And close by are forests thick with lovely trees. And all of these trees, in all seasons, they're giving fruits and flowers so fragrant, so sweet. And the chirping and the warbling and the singing and the cooing of birds. This is the perfect place for us to have our lunch. Krishna sat down. And all the gopas sat in circle around him. And then there was another circle around that circle and another circle around that circle. There were so many circles, all with Krishna in the center. Once, one content. What is the word? Concentric or something? I don't know the technical words, but the Srimad Bhagavatam explains like a lotus flower. <laughs> Krishna was the whirl of the lotus flower. And all the gopas were like the petals around the lotus flower. Eight petals around that, 16 petals, 32 petals, 64 petals. There were thousands of petals around the lotus with Krishna in the world. And Krishna was looking at each and every boy, and every boy was looking at Krishna. Just as the Chakora bird gazes upon the moon and the full moon fills through its eyes its heart with the nectar of its rays Chakora birds don't require any food or water when they see the full moon the rays of the moon are nectar that completely nourish its heart and puts it in ecstasy. Krishna Vrindavan Chandra was that full moon and all the boys were looking upon him like the Chakora bird. And each boy was thinking that Krishna is only looking at me. And the reason was Krishna actually was only looking at them. All of them. How is that possible? It's not that Krishna manifested four heads or eight heads to look in all directions. Because he's a little cowherd boy, appearing to be very ordinary. He's looking in one direction. His back is towards somewhere another direction. And boys are in circles around him. 
But Krishna is Rasaraj. He's the king of loving relations. He has Achintya Shakti. And in Vrindavan, that Achintya Shakti is manifesting to its ultimate extent in Krishna's inconceivable power to exchange love with his devotees. Srila Prabhupada explains in regard to Krishna being in the world of the lotus. He said, the purpose of this Krishna consciousness movement is simply to teach people how to put Krishna in the center of their lives. When a community puts Krishna in the center of a life, it's actually a Krishna conscious spiritual community. But it is the responsibility of each and every member of that community to both practice through our sadhana, through our behavior, through our service, and to inspire all others to do the same. And Srila Prabhupada said, when Krishna is in the center, then life is beautiful and blissful. As they were sitting together, they were, for Krishna's pleasure, they were making all different types of plates to put their food. Because Shukadeva Goswami said, most of them had little sticks with lunch bags hanging from the sticks that they carried on their shoulders. And after going in Akasura's mouth and seeing Krishna do all he did, they were very hungry. And the boys were thinking that Krishna must be really hungry. So we should be hungry, just so that Krishna will become enthusiastic to take prasad with us. So they opened their bags, and some made a plate out of their own lap. They just put all the different preparations on their laps. And others, they just picked up a rock and made the plate out of a rock. Others collected a leaf or many leaves and made a little plate. Some collected flowers to be their plates. Some found some bark from the trees to make plates. Some, the very basket that they were carrying their prasad, their prasad in became their plate. And they were very proud to show each other, look at my plate. But they weren't proud to outdo each other. They were proud to give happiness to each other. Because every plate made everyone laugh. Then they started looking at their food and trying their food and saying, Oh, this is so good. Krishna, try this. Sri Dhamma, try this. Subal, try this. And they were all exchanging their food and taking it out of their mouth and putting it in somebody else's mouth and somebody else's mouth. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur said one boy had a samosa. <laughs> and he emptied it out. 
And then he took jasmine flowers and stuffed it in the samosa. Covered it up. Now, jasmine flowers smell really sweet, but they taste very bitter. Have any of you eaten jasmine flowers? So, the boy said, oh, this is so good, this samosa, oh, you should try this. And another boy, yes, yes, I will try. And everyone was watching, and he ate it. Expecting samosa. But when he ate the jasmine flower, it was very bitter. And he made a very um, disgusted face. And everyone laughed at him. And then the boy became so transcendentally happy that he chased after the person who gave him the samosa to beat him. You see, little children, they like to beat each other. The origin of that is the spiritual world. But it doesn't hurt. The person being beaten is very happy because it's, it's, it's an exchange of love. Everyone laughing and laughing. A bee came. Krishna said to the bee, Oh, are you Madhu Mangal? Madhu means honey. If you want his honey, you may have to kill him. And all the, all the boys were laughing. Now when I say it, nobody laughs. <laughs> but when any, if Krishna wants to make you laugh, anything he says is the funniest thing in all of existence. And Madhu Mangal was ready, started chastising Krishna. Why are you sending this bee to me? In this way they were playing. Meanwhile, the, um, the demigods. There was no one in the world that they feared more than Akasura. Even though they drink Amrit or Nectar, which gives them extremely long lives and health, still Akasura was so powerful and so cruel and so envious that the demigods could not have peace of mind as long as he was living. So when they saw that Krishna gave him elevation to Vaikuntha, they were amazed and they came down to celebrate. And there they saw the cowherd boys. Even Brahma came down to see what has Krishna done? Incredible. My beloved Lord, what has he done? He's killed Akasura. He's given him liberation in Vaikuntha. And then he sees Krishna joking and playing and eating the remnants of little boyfriends. And because Brahma, if we get any little post above somebody else, our tendency is we become judgmental or proud, we expect honor, 
Brahma is the father, the superintendent. He's the controller of the whole universe for 311 trillion years. He doesn't retire. He doesn't get old like us. When, when Brahma is 310 trillion years, he still has the full capacity of his intellect and all of his prowess. And he's a great devotee. But Krishna had a plan. Brahma, Jiva Goswami tells that Brahma, with all good intentions, under the influence of Krishna's energy, wanted to test Krishna. How is it that he's Yagya Bhuk? That means he is the receiver of all the sacrifices and offering of the sages and the rishis and the demigods. And he's just sitting on the ground with these little cowherd boys joking and eating. This is Brindavan. We read in the Rig Veda, the Sama Veda, the Yajra Veda, the Atharva Veda, the Upanishads, the Rishis and Sages. They sing so many hymns of reverence to the Absolute Truth. And they're offering so many um, oblations with reverence. But in Vrindavan they are playing and they are joking. And they're covered with dust and leaves and flowers. Brahma decided to test Krishna. He wanted to see what actually is the prowess of this little boy. So by his mystic potency, he allured the calves to go farther and farther and farther, tempting them with luscious grasses. And as the boys were playing with Krishna, suddenly they realized the calves were gone. They were frightened. And Krishna, he said to the gopas, that you continue eating your prasad happily. I will personally go and get all the calves and bring them back, but you should not disturb your lunch. Krishna loves to serve his devotees. Brahma had stole the calves, put them in a cave in a mystic slumber, Meanwhile, Krishna was looking. He was looking through the pastures, looking through the forests. He was looking in caves and looking in mountains. He couldn't find them anywhere. Meanwhile, just as he was sitting with his friends, he was still holding in his hand a lump 
of yogurt and rice. And he was just walking around, holding the yogurt and rice, looking for the calves. He couldn't find them anywhere. So he came back to the bank of the Yamuna, and where the boys once were, they were not there. And Krishna was just standing there, looking around. He understood that Brahma had taken them. It's interesting. Sanatan Goswami and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur agree that actually Brahma had no power to steal Krishna's friends. Because Brahma has, even though he's the ultimate person in this world, he has a material body. And the gopas had pure spiritual bodies. So by Krishna's own arrangement, Yoga Maya hid the cowherd boys, just made them disappear. And instantly, Mahamaya produced exact replicas of each one. And those are the ones that Brahma stole. So Krishna was looking around. And his friends and the calves were nowhere to be seen. For the pleasure of Brahma and for the pleasure of all the mothers of Vrindavan, Krishna, by his own sweet will, expanded himself into exact forms of each calf and cowherd boy. And how did he do it? It is explained that Krishna is in the heart of every living being. And in Vrindavan, Krishna fulfills everyone's desires. And all the mother cows, and all the mothers of all the gopas and gopis, they loved Krishna. More than everything and anything. And as a way of celebrating, glorifying, and showing their exalted love for Yashoda, in their hearts they would think, Yashoda Mai is so fortunate. If only I had the opportunity to love Krishna as my child. Actually, they did love Krishna as their own child. But Krishna wanted to give them all the opportunity to physically exhibit that love. When Krishna took the form of the calves and the gopas, this is one of the most incredible stories ever told, that could ever be told. What is Krishna's prowess? For the purpose of exchanging intimate love, there were asankhya. There were limitless cowherd boys and limitless calves. And Krishna manifested the form and the personality of every one of them. The exact bodily features 
the exact tone of voice, the exact memory of everything they've ever experienced in the past, the identical relationships with all of their different friends, their parents. And they were all Krishna. And then Krishna started playing his flute. And Krishna, <laughs> in the form of all of his friends, just as any other day, started dancing as he played the flute. And they were praising Krishna. And Krishna was praising them. It's not that Krishna was just like an actor. Krishna was so immersed in these loving relationships with himself in the form of these gopas that they were actually losing themselves in complete reciprocation. You see, it's not that the boy was thinking, oh, I'm Krishna, and there's Krishna playing the flute, so I'm going to dance just to make a nice show of the whole thing. Krishna was so lost in the ecstasy and the love of that gopa that he became that gopa, but he was Krishna. And as they were entering into the village of Vrindavan, they were all blowing their buffalo horns and playing their flutes and dancing and shouting. And all the gopis, the elder gopis especially, and the cows, when they, when they heard the sound of their children's horns and they saw them approaching, never before had they felt such ecstatic love for their children. The cows, when the calves came, the cows, their milk was so profuse with love. It was just, they were, the cows were weeping, constant tears, licking and licking and licking the bodies of their little calves, practically just licking them up with uncontrollable motherly affection. And the calves were reciprocating with that same degree and intensity of intimate love with the cows. And when the gopis, they brought their little children on their lap, even though they were just at the end of their komar leva, most of them, still their breasts filled with milk due to love. And the children were drinking the milk. And as the parents were gazing in the face of their children, it was, it was their children. But they were experiencing the same love that they had for Krishna. And they bathed their children and they smeared their children with fragrant natural oils. And they put beautiful garments on their children and they fed prasad to their children.
Our acharyas explain that in Vrindavan, everything is an expression of love, prem. When Mother Yashoda gives her milk to Krishna, it's her vatsalya prem. It's her motherly love that is sweeter than the sweetest of nectars. It's, it's liquid love in the form of the most intimate milk, not just coming from their bodies, coming from the core of their hearts. And now every elderly gopi, every motherly cow, was offering the milk of the nectar of their love to Krishna and how he was enjoying it. It is described for one year their love for their child was at every moment increasing. It wasn't stagnant. This is how Krishna reciprocates, ever increasing for all of eternity. That is Vrindavan. And yet, there was no even slight detection that it was anything but their own child. But somehow or other, Shukadeva Goswami tells, in the past, they loved their children so dearly, but they always loved Krishna the topmost. But now, there was no difference between their love for Krishna and their love for their children. Because Krishna was their children. Krishna was reciprocating and fulfilling their innermost desires. About five or six days before the end of the year, a herd of the cows were on top of Govardhan Hill. And the elder calves, the Krishna calves, were on the bottom of the hill with the gopas. Now, generally, these cows, they had already had other calves. And once you have little calves, you no longer give your milk to the older calves. But on this day, when the cows saw the Krishna calves on the bottom of the hill, they started to cry and they mooed in ecstasy. You don't, you don't sound ecstatic, you think. I'm not going to tell you what you sound like.
because Krishna knew that Balaram had such love, such deep attachment to Sridama and Subal and Stoka Krishna and Sudama and all these gopas, that Balaram would feel deep separation from them for a whole year. And Krishna did not want to do that. So he covered Balaram over up until just a couple days before his birthday. In the material world, everything is relative. For Brahma, one moment is a year by our calculation. So Brahma realized, Srila Prabhupada writes, that he was playing with fire. He was testing Krishna. He was acting like a simple little laughing, playful cowherd boy, but still he's Krishna. So he came back to see what kind of, what kind of mysteries and what kind of fun he may have created. And that year later, when he appeared, he was looking down and he saw all the calves and all the cowherd boys playing with each other and playing with Krishna, just as they were a year before. And Brahma was very confused because he had taken those little boys and calves and put them by his own powers in sleep, in a cave. So Brahma quickly went to the cave to see, and they were all sleeping. And then he came back, and he saw the same children and calves playing with Krishna. He went back to the cave, and he came back to them, and he was wondering, is... Are these children an illusion? Or are those children an illusion in the cave? Or are they both illusion? Or is it that when I go to the cave, Krishna puts them there, and by the time I get back here, Krishna brings them back here? He was bewildered. You see, the more you think you know how to do things right, the easier you can become bewildered when things do not go according to your plan. Yes? Now we have to make plans. But if we don't make plans, we don't get so bewildered. <laughs> but we have to make plans in this world. So Brahma is the ultimate plan maker of the universe. This never happened to him before. He was totally confused. What is happening? How is it happening? And when that confusion came to a summit where he didn't even know who he was or where he was or what was going on, suddenly every calf and every cowherd boy manifested the form of Narayan. Each one had a blue complexion like the Indra Nila jewel. 
Each one had a magnificent golden-colored crown, the Kostubamani, beautiful jewels and celestial flowers. Each one had four arms holding the conch shell, the club, the Sudarshan chakra, and the lotus flower. Each one had magnificent lotus-like eyes. Suddenly he saw before his own eyes millions and millions of forms of his own worshipable absolute Lord Vishnu. And around each Vishnu he saw a Brahma and a Shiva and an Indra and a Vayu. He saw all the demigods and all the rishis and all the sages around each one of these Vishnus. And he saw all living beings around each one of these Vishnus. And he saw time, the three modes of material nature, the Mahatattva, the subtle elements, the gross elements, all the ingredients of creation personified, offering prayers to each of these forms of Vishnu. As Brahma was saying this, he became so Vimohan, so totally bewildered, He didn't know who he was. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know how he was. He didn't know why he was. <laughs> what was this darshan? He became bewildered to such an extent, he became stunned. He felt like a little child's play doll in front of the deity of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in the temple. Suddenly he realized he had absolutely no knowledge, no power, nothing in the presence of what he was seeing, of Krishna. He felt like the examples given by Shukadeva Goswami, snow is white, but on a pitch dark moonless night, what do you see? Total darkness. Or a glowworm or a firefly. At night, ah, they light up the sky. Please understand, from their perspective, I've kind of had a study of fireflies after reading the Srimad Bhagavatam. I'm not going to go into too many details. But when I was with Bhakti Tirta Swami Maharaj during his last weeks, I was staying at one god sister and god brother's house, Taruni Devi and Yadunandan Prabhu. And I would come back at night and 
it was actually incredible because they have a field right next to their house. Their house is in the forest. And there were thousands and thousands of fireflies in the sky. And I remember it was a moonless night. So it was pitch dark. And these fireflies, they're just going, they're lighting up the sky. It was, it was supernatural. It was more incredible than any type of firework display. To sing as far as the eyes could see in this field were just fireflies blinking, blinking. And fireflies are very small. So when they're in the pitch dark with their little tiny eyes and they go and they turn their light on, it actually looks like they're lighting up the universe. From where they are, from where they are, we can see they're just lighting up maybe one meter, a little light comes. But from their little eyes, they're lighting up the... The whole universe is being illuminated by me. So they can be very proud. So one day I was just sitting and I was just watching, chanting Japa, watching, thinking, what a miracle, what a beautiful display of Krishna. And then Yadunandan Prabhu came and sat next to me. And I said, isn't this incredible, Krishna's miracle, how he's giving the power of each of these little insects to light, light up like this? He said, should I tell you why they do it? I said, yes. He said, those are the males. They light up their tails to attract females. <laughs> I said, why did you have to tell me that? You know, I'm trying to be a sannyasi and everything, but I'm never going to be able to enjoy fireflies again like I used to. <laughs> Anyways, I welled inside. But the example is this, that when the fireflies in the pitch darkness, he's, think, he's very proud. But when that same firefly is flying in the presence of the noonday sun, it makes, you don't even know they're there. He can try as hard as he can. <laughs> and none of the females will know that he exists. What <laughs> to speak of anyone else. So the idea is when, when we try to display our powers in the presence of someone who has so much greater power, then we realize our insignificance. And in this regard, Srila Prabhupada explains that story of when Brahma came to Dwarka. And he, he was asked by the door, doorkeeper, which, which Brahma are you? I am the four-headed Brahma. So Krishna said, yes, come in. And he saw so many Brahmas with so many heads. 
and he realized he was insignificant. Here in Vrindavan, when Brahma saw Krishna's powers, he felt so totally insignificant. And this sight of unlimited Vishnus with unlimited living beings and unlimited demigods around each Vishnu, Brahma became totally stunned. In fact, he momentarily went totally blind. He actually lost his consciousness. That's how much this affected him. And then his consciousness came back and he asked, What is this? Who is this? And then he opened his eyes again. And all the Vishnu forms had disappeared. And he saw Brindaban. He was looking at Brindaban a year before. He was looking at Brindaban so many times, but he never saw what he was seeing now. He was seeing every tree as a Kalpapraksha tree. He was seeing all the ground as Chintamani. He was seeing every pebble of sand and dust as more priceless than all the jewels in the, in the heavenly worlds. He was seeing the river Yamuna as a flow of nectar, a flow of pure spiritual love. And he saw Krishna exactly as he was one year before, standing as a little cowherd boy with the same lump of yogurt, dahi, and rice in his hand, very innocently looking around, trying to find his calves. Premanjana Churita Bhakti Bilochanena. Unless our eyes are ornamented with the salve of love, we cannot see Vrindavan or Krishna as they are. Narotandas Thakur gives us this prayer. When? When will that day come when I will be free of all egoism, selfishness, and desires for my personal enjoyment? Then I will see Vrindavan. Brahma was in Vrindavan. 
but he could not see Vrindavan. But Krishna performed this incredible leela by displaying to Brahma, first he bewildered Brahma, totally. Then he enamored Brahma by his incredible opulence. Vaikuntha, Narayan, the Aishwarya, the ultimate darshan of power that you could have, of the opulences, is what Brahma saw. And then it all disappeared, and he realized, Govindam Adi Purusham Tamahambachami. The origin of Vaikuntha, the origin of Narayan, the origin of all the universes and all the creations, the origin of all Vaikuntha, is this little cowherd boy, Krishna. And the supreme, ultimate Paramdhamma, abode of the Lord, is Vrindavan. When Brahma was totally humbled, when Brahma didn't have a trace of egoism or pride, then, for the first time, he could see Vrindavan as it is. Lord Brahma went into a state of transcendental ecstasy. All of his eight eyes were flooding with tears. It is said that the devas never touched the ground. But Brahma humbled himself totally. He couldn't care less about such rules. He fell flat on the ground. Dandavat. And put his hands on Krishna's feet. And he performed an incredible Abhishek, bathing Krishna's lotus-like feet with his tears. He surrendered. His body, his mind, his words, his life. He was seeing Vrindavan. And it is at that moment when he was looking around at the Holy Dham that this sloka emerged from the mouth of Shukadeva Goswami. That Vrindavan is a place where the trees are pleasing in all seasons. It is the transcendental abode of the Lord, where there is no hunger, no anger, no thirst, where even naturally inimical beings are most intimate, loving friends and associates. Because in Vrindavan, everyone lives together 
for Krishna's pleasure. Everyone is tasting the infinite sweetness of Krishna's love and Krishna is tasting the infinite sweetness of his devotee's love. Then Brahma offered beautiful prayers to Krishna. Krishna did not say a word. Because to Brahma, he was... He was very consistent in his lila. He was just a little boy looking for his cowherd boys. <laughs> so innocent. So playful. He wasn't displaying any Aishwarya prowess. Vrindavan, Krishna's power is far beyond Aishwarya. It is Madhurya. His power is his sweetness. His beauty, the song of his flute, and the intimacy of freedom that he exchanges in his pastimes with his devotees. When Krishna, for that year, was playing the role or not even, let us not say playing the role. He was playing a role for Brahma. But he assumed the forms of all these calves and cowherd boys. And because the love of all these mother gopis and cows was so pure, unmotivated, and ecstatic, that for that whole year, Krishna wasn't pretending. Krishna was conquered by their praying, conquered by their love, and was feeling completely dependent on his mothers. This is the most beautiful ornament that Krishna displays in Vrindavan. Krishna becomes dependent upon and conquered by the love of his devotees. And the devotees are completely dependent upon and conquered by the love of Krishna. In all the limitless planets of the spiritual world, only Goloka, only Vrindavan, does the Supreme Absolute Truth, the Personality of Godhead, facilitate such sweet, loving exchanges? After Brahma offered his prayers, Krishna didn't say anything. But he understood, Brahma, that it's my duty to go back to Brahma Loka and perform my service. And since Krishna is not saying anything, that's my confirmation that I should go. So he circumambulated Krishna three times and then ascended to his heavenly abode. And then Krishna, 
He had all his calves. He manifested them all again. And he brought all the calves back to the riverbank where the cowherd boys were waiting for him. Now by Yogamaya's potency, Krishna Sladini Shakti, all the Mahamaya boys that, that um, Brahma stole, they disappeared. And now the original cowherd boys and the original calves manifested exactly where they were. And the cowherd boys, when they saw Krishna coming back with all the calves, they all began to uh, celebrate. Krishna, you are so expert. How possibly did you find all the calves so fast? <laughs> we were expecting it would take at least a half hour for you to find because they were all out of sight. But you came back in one moment with all the calves. In fact, we didn't even have time to take one bite or eat a single morsel of our prasad in your absence because you're here so quickly. Come and eat prasad with us. The acharyas explained a year passed. And the boys actually aged a little. In that year, even though they were in an unmanifested Yogamaya um, Lila. But they didn't know. They were just marveling how Krishna came so fast. Oh, we could go so deeply into the details of this pastime. A full year passed. And all the food that was on their plates their rock plates, their leaf plates, their flower plate, their basket plate, their lap plate. It was all exactly as fresh as it was a year before. And you know, in Vrindavan, a lot of things are made with milk. And for milk to be sitting for one year. But it was Navayovanam. <laughs> It was ever fresh. It was ever new. And they had a wonderful feast, eating together and joking together and laughing together. And after they finished their prasad, they were going back to the village of Vrindavan. And Krishna pointed, look, look, there's Agasura. And they saw the whole body of Akasura. But now he was liberated. There was no life in it. And they, oh, how excited they were. This will be from now on one of our favorite most playgrounds. And then all the boys, now they're the Akshidam, Subal, Arjun, Gandharva, all the boys, the cowherd boys, were playing their flutes and playing their horns to announce their arrival in Vrindavan. And all the gopas and the gopis and the cows were waiting for them. And the children, they were so excited. 
because this Agasura was really a, a very, very spectacular feature of enjoyment for them. So literally, they were, they were dancing and practically running back into the village because they wanted to tell everyone about how Krishna liberated this giant eight-mile snake. And all the boys, were, they, were, they were out of breath, panting and, and it, Beautiful poems, beautiful songs, they would recite their explanations of Krishna's pastimes for that day. And everybody there, all the gopas and gopis, they were amazed. Krishna did this today? And Parikshit Maharaj was even more amazed. He did it a year before. And they were speaking about it with, say, with the enthusiasm that he had just done it hours before. And Parikshit Maharaj asked a question to Shukadeva Goswami. Nature's law is that a parent naturally has special love for their children. It's mothers may love so many children. That's natural too. But still there's a special affection for one's own children. Now, I've never been a parent in this lifetime, but I've spoken to many parents and I've watched many parents. And even I had parents. <laughs> now, I don't want to talk about myself, but I wasn't a very good student in school. And I wasn't the most well-behaved little boy. And some of the neighboring children were excellent students and were much better behaved than me. But still, my parents loved me more. <laughs> and that's the way all parents are for all children. Yes, parents, you know, if you have a child and, you know, somebody who's living a couple blocks away is actually much nicer to you and much more successful and accomplishing more, who do you love more? Parikshit Maharaj was astounded. This is something that is impossible. How is it that all the gopas and the gopis for one full, how is it that they love Krishna more than their own children? Even before and after that year. Shukadev Goswami explained, that for everyone, nothing is more dear than oneself. Because you can't love anyone unless you're alive. <laughs> so yourself is very dear. He explained people who think the body to be their self, they may love so many other bodies, but their own body is the vehicle by which they could love the other bodies. 
And when we understand I'm not the body, I'm the eternal soul, the Atma, then whatever is dear about our body or about anybody else, we can only express it, we can only realize it because of who we are, because we're existing. And ultimately, who do we love in others? We may have a loved one. It may be a parent, it may be a child, it may be a lover, it may be a friend. But when the soul leaves the body of that person, we put the body on fire or under the ground. It's not the body we love. It's the living force. And why is it that the self within ourself and the self within others is lovable? Mamayavam so jiva loke jiva bhuta sanatana is because it is the it is every living being, our self and all others are part and parcel of Krishna. Eternally. Krishna is the ultimate object of everyone's love. Krishna is the origin of all love. We love others because they're an infinitesimal part of Krishna. We love our own life because we are an infinitesimal part of Krishna. So when Krishna reveals himself, when we awaken our love for Krishna, we understand that it is our love for Krishna that is manifesting in every aspect of our affection in this world. In fact, it explains herein in the Srimad Bhagavatam, when that love for Krishna awakens, like watering the root of the tree, our love naturally extends to every part of the tree. This was Brahma's realization. Govindam adipurusham tamaham bhajami. Ishwara parama krishna sachi ananda vigraha. Anadira dir govinda sarava karana karanam. That Krishna is the origin of everything, the cause of all causes. For a devotee, whatever we see, we naturally see its relation with Krishna. Shukadeva Goswami told that anyone, please listen carefully. This is the time to wake up if you're asleep. <laughs> Anyone who sincerely, with an earnest heart, hears this pastime, or even speaks this pastime, Krishna giving Sarupya Mukti to Agasura, 
of Krishna having his playful, loving pastimes with the cowherd boys taking prasad on the bank of the Yamuna, of Krishna having all of his friends and calves stolen by Brahma, of Krishna be manifesting all the forms of these cows or these calves and cowherd boys and reciprocating intimate loving relationships to fulfill all the desires of the Brijabhasis. If anyone hears the story of Brahma coming down and seeing all these Narayan forms and ultimately realizing that the cause of all causes, the supreme ultimate goal of all existence is to love this little cowherd boy, Krishna, and surrender our hearts to him. Just by hearing or speaking, Shukadeva Goswami gives us a blessing that all of our spiritual desires will be fulfilled. Bhaktivinoda Thakur explains in his Navadvip Dham Mahatmya that Lord Brahma, he went back to his abode, but he was thinking, why do I have to be Brahma? <laughs> I, have my, I have my duties to perform for Krishna as Brahma. I'm his devotee. But how much I would like to just be a simple little cowherd boy playing with Krishna in Vrindavan. Just see, because of my pride of being the creator and the father and the Atma Bhu, I tested Krishna. I don't want that to happen again. Lord Brahma knew that Krishna in his original transcendental form of Shamsundar descends along with Gokul Vrindavan to this earth once in a day of Brahma. And he knew that during the next Kali Yuga, after Krishna, once in a day of Brahma, Krishna will come again as Lord Goranga. So Lord Brahma went to Navadvip because he knew that's where the Lord would appear. And in Antardvip, he performed prayers, tapasya, meditation and he was chanting the names of Lord Goranga. When Sri Nityananda Prabhu was taking Srila Jiva Goswami on the Navadvipdam Parikrama, they came to Antartweep. Lord Nityananda Prabhu was telling so many beautiful pastimes of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates. He was telling about the devotees of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sachimata, and 
Jagannath Mishra, because Nityananda Prabhu was there, the most intimate eyewitness participant in these leelas of Navadweep. He was telling him Puranic histories of the glories of Navadweep even long before Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu manifested his leelas there. And Jiva Goswami asked, why is this particular island called Antardweep? Nityananda Prabhu explained, this is where Brahma was in his samadhi of praying for the mercy of Lord Goranga. And in the depths of his meditation and prayer, chanting the holy names, Lord Goranga appeared to Brahma in this place long, long ago. And Lord Goranga, after Brahma fell at his feet, Lord Chaitanya placed his lotus feet on Brahma's head. And Brahma prayed. He said, Half my life is finished. I still have another half to do my seva as Brahma. But I feel so embarrassed. I just... I just offended you. Due to my pride and my high position, I thought I could test you. But by your causeless mercy, you exposed my ignorance, my bewilderment. But I know that in the age of Kali, you're going to be coming again in this form of Lord Goranga. I want to be your associate. I want to be free of all pride of my position, my power, my knowledge, my being the original guru and all of that. I want to serve you with all humility and devotion. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu smiled upon him. And he said, Brahmaji, I grant you this blessing. When I appear in this form of Sri Goranga, you will take birth in the family of the Yavanas. By social status now, you are the highest position of anyone in the universe. You will take birth in a family of untouchables by social status. Your name will be Hadidas Takur. And with a heart of the deepest genuine humility, you will constantly chant my holy name.
you will chant no less than 300,000 of my names every day. And you will buy my intimate associate. We will live together. And when you pass from this world, you will be singing my names and beholding with your unblinking eyes my beautiful face. And I will embrace you. So now, you go back and do your duties in Brahmaloka, and very soon we will be together. And then Lord Chaitanya told Brahma, I want to reveal to you a secret. Do not tell anyone. I will appear in this form of Lord Goranga to spread the love of Vrindavan to the whole world through Sankirtan, the congregational chanting of my holy devotees of all the other avatars entrance into the sweet loving rasas of Vrindavan. I am knowing everything as Krishna, but I cannot fathom the intimacy and the sweetness of the love of Sri Radha. And I cannot comprehend what is the happiness she feels when she tastes the sweetness of my love. What is the nature of that love of Sri Radharani? And what is it about her, about me, that brings her an ecstasy that even I cannot understand? I will appear in the form of Lord Goranga to taste the sweetness of Sri Radha's love. I will have her beautiful golden complexion. And I will share her love with the world through the Nam Sankirtan movement. The secret of all secrets. Nityananda Prabhu said, this was revealed in Antardweep. Lord Brahma appeared as Haridas Thakur. Brahma's position is so exalted it's actually, if, if we really look into it, it's quite incredible. 
that even the demons who hate Vishnu, they worship Brahma. Yes? He's really exalted. Hiranyakashipu! Do you remember the story? When Brahma appeared before Hiranyakashipu, Hiranyakashipu did his complete dandavats and worshipped Brahma and prayed to him as the supreme personality and begged for blessings. Ravana, he also did tens and thousands of years of tapasya to try to please Brahma. And also Shiva. And when Brahma appeared to him, he was bowing down and worshipping him and offering him beautiful Vedic prayers. So in the Vedic literatures, Brahma's position is really exalted. When the Asuras, they could conquer Indra, but we never hear of anyone conquering Brahma. Brahma Loka is above and beyond any other influences. Such an exalted position. When there was nothing in the universe but just an ocean, Vishnu lay down and from his navel came a lotus flower and Brahma appeared. He's the original guru. He's the original father. But yet he was yearning and praying with all of his heart. He was longing and begging for the pure intimate love of the residents of Vrindavan. He took the form of the four hills at Barasana so that all the devotees of Krishna and Krishna and all the cows and the calves and everybody that's dear to Krishna would constantly be stepping upon his heads. And he appeared as Haridas Thakur. And the life of Thakur Haridas especially his earlier life, all we hear about is one persecution, one injustice after another. Because he was an untouchable by birth. In Benapal, Ramchandra Khan tried to seduce him into an illicit activity so he would be beaten punished, imprisoned, and hopefully killed. And the very prostitute that came to destroy his life, Haridas Thakur made her into a pure Vaishnavi. And she was so inspired, she spent the rest of her life sitting in front of Tulsi Devi, chanting 300,000 names of Krishna.
had to leave that place. He went to Chandpur in the area of Adisaptagram where Balaramacharya and Yadunandanacharya who were the gurus and the family priests of Raghunath Das Goswami when he was a very small boy and his parents and they called an assembly of Brahmins and scholars especially to hear Haridas Thakur speak the glories of Hadinam and Haridas with such humility and such honor and respect for every living being he spoke from the scriptures that the real goal of chanting Krishna's name which is not different than Krishna is Krishna Prime and the mukti the liberation that the impersonalists strive for is an insignificant byproduct of prem love for the personality of godhead eternally just like before the sun even rises the darkness is dispelled he gave that comparison gopal chakravarti a very beautiful learned brahmin from a very high family extremely respected with a prestigious position in the government he was outraged how dare you an untouchable speak from the vedas and now you are blaspheming mukti saying it's a byproduct insignificant compared to bhakti i curse you you fool if what you're saying is not true may your nose and fingers fall off the next day gopal chakravarti takur got a disease and his nose and fingers fell off and haridas takur when he was told he was praying for him he felt so sad from there haridas takur went to shantipur where he became innermost best friends with shri adwaita prabhu and adwaita charya arranged a cave for haridas takur to live near the bank of the ganga and there he was kirtaniya sadahari shilaprabhat explains that haridas thakur was the personified example of the essential quality of a vaishnav of tolerance and interestingly when shrila prabhupada and aracharya speak about tolerance the particular quality of tolerance they emphasize most is forgiveness it was there in fully a gram near shantipur that haridas thakur 
simply because he was inspiring so many people, he was dragged before the Kazi and the kings. And he was sentenced to be beaten, tortured, and killed in the public marketplaces. This is Lord Brahma. How many of you would leave your throne in Brahma Loka to be subjected to these things? But how do you... This was the happiest moments of Brahma's life. His 311 trillion years, these were the happiest moments. He was being beaten and whipped mercilessly. They were kicking him and smashing him. And the whole time, he was taking as an opportunity to go deeper and deeper into his meditation. And Shri Radharani and Krishna's holy names. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu later told during the Mahaprakash Leela at Srivasankam, seeing them beating you like this, I had to protect you. I called for my Sudarshan Chakra to punish those murderers. But from the core of your heart, you were praying to me, please forgive them. Give them prema bhakti. Liberate them from their sins. Give them your mercy. I couldn't break your heart by hurting them. So I had to incarnate invisibly and cover your body with my own. And then Lord Chaitanya actually showed everyone all the brutal beating marks on his own body. This is Thakur Haridas. And after he was, he was praying to forgive the executioners. When he saw that his being alive was difficult for them, he went into a Mahasamadhi. And then they threw his body in the river. And that would have been the end of it. But he came out of his samadhi, came out of the river, and walked directly back to the king and the executioners to give them another chance. And they all begged forgiveness and prayed for his mercy. This is Haridas Thakwa. Trinarapi suniche natur ibasehishnuna amani na manatena kirtaniya sadhari. We cannot imitate. But Sankirtan is the Yuga Dharma. 
and Mahaprabhu proclaimed Haridas to be the Nam Acharya. That means his example is what we must all follow to properly chant the holy names. We cannot imitate. But this is what we should be praying for. These are the qualities we should try to cultivate in our prayers, in our sadhana, in our seva, in our relationships, in our life. Why does Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami give so much prominence to Haridas Thakur in Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, Sri Chaitanya Bhagavat. Why Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for all the world, for all time to see, danced with the body of Haridas, bathed his body in the ocean and said from this day on it is a holy place. begged for the feast to glorify Haridas. Why Goranga Mahaprabhu said that he was the crown jewel of the universe. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Namo Mahabharanyaya Krishna Prema Padayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namane Godat Vishenama. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give what no other incarnation has given. He's come to give entrance into the rasas of Vrindavan. That is his special feature. He's tasting the sweetness of Vrindavaneshwari Radha's love and opening the doors for us to experience the love of Braj. Swarup Damodar Goswami in his beautiful prayer explains how Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give the Madhurya Ras of the gopis to the world. And Lord Chaitanya is glorifying Haridas so much, the Acharya, because by following in his footsteps and chanting Srimati Radharani's name and Govinda Dev's name, in the spirit he has taught, then the doors actually open. Where with a genuine and humble heart, we could follow in the footsteps of the residents of Vrindavan. Rupa Goswami is our Ras Acharya. Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Lalita Madhava, Vidadda Madhava. 
So many of these scriptures where he is explaining the innermost intimate nature of Radharani and Krishna's love and the rasas of Braj. Sanatana Goswami, his elder brother and guru, our Sambandha Acharya, both of them, when they came to Puri, they lived with Haridas Thakur. Day and night they would chant the holy names with Haridas Thakur. Every day they would meet Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he would come to Haridas Thakur's house to provide prasad for them. And Raghunath Das Goswami, our Prayojana Acharya, according to Chaitanya Charitamrita, he, his initial inspiration to surrender his body, mind, words and life to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was his association with Haridas Thakur as a child. This is how Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave prominence. If we sincerely and honestly want to enter into the love of Vrindavan, We must learn to cultivate a fenceless, pure chanting of the holy name. Krishna fulfilled the desire of Lord Brahma. In the experience of that transcendental crisis <laughs> that he experienced in Vrindavan during Brahma Vimohan Lila, Through his prayers, the most exalted devotional service he rendered. As one of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dear most associates. And he was so deeply loved by all the Vaishnavas. When Mahaprabhu offered him any benediction, Haridas said, I only want one thing. In every birth I may take, let me receive the remnants of food that have fallen from the plates of your devotees. Let me be even a dog near your devotee so I could get their association. 
And who am I so low and so sinful that I'm asking for such an exalted blessing as this? That is how he valued the association of Vaishnavas. That is the spirit that he served. Srila Prabhupada. He established the International Society for Krishna Consciousness and gave us, by his example, by his teachings, by his inspiration, that we learn to follow in the footsteps of these great personalities. And one of the dearest, most intimate pages within Vaishnav history is that this story of Brahma Vimohan Lila was the very last translation and purports that Srila Prabhupada gave the world before Sri Radharani and Sri Shamsundar, Sri Sri Krishna Balaram brought him back to their eternal abode of Goloka. While he was laying in his bed at Krishna Balaram temple, with no physical health whatsoever, offering Radharani, Krishna, whenever you take me, I'm yours. He was dictating the translations and purports to this story. It is very special, very intimate meditation. And some of his purports are So beautiful. He was explaining the association of devotees. He said in, his, in our Krishna Balaram temple, there is a tamal tree. And it was, it was in very, very poor health, practically dying without leaves. But due to the association of the devotees, hearing and chanting the glories of Krishna, now that same tamalk tree is flourishing and covering with beautiful leaves and flowers a major part of the courtyard of our Krishna Balaram temple. The seed of bhakti It may be drying up from so many years of neglect, but in the association of devotees, in the presence of those who really cherish the fortune of seva, Hari Kata and Hari Kirtan, 
that creeper of devotion within our own hearts will also flourish by grace, by his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. He has given us entrance into his eternal home, Brindaban. Thank you very much. Nama Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutalai Sri Mati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Itinamai
Krishna Krishna Hadi 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 Dhamma Hadi Lama 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 Krishna, 
शिवदार हजाने की शीशम सुंदर देव की Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare.
कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare 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 Hare
krishna krishna hari 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 rama hari rama 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 hari hari ชะคัลปทุปยัชชาคริปาสินทุปยะเอวัชชาพทิฐานังภาวะเนเปียวไวชนะเปเปียวนโมนามะอนันติโคติไวชนะปรินตะคีจาฮารินามสันคีร์